Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. A little Christmas music for you guys out there. This will be the last week of programming before the Christmas holiday. We'll take two weeks off for our audience. I just wanted to preset you there. A little drummer boy would be playing Christmas music all week. If you have any requests, pop them in. I'll be certain to play them with the pre-show. But uh, before we bring our special host on today, just want to say thank you to our audience. 60,000 and growing, trying to get to 61 now. I upped the ante before the end of the week. We're getting close, about 300 new listeners away. So push us over the edge with this show. You guys know what to do. Five stars, great comments, helps us climb the ladder in the podcast world. Uh, Blackout Coffee. Coffee's on Jim Colonel here, the host of the arms race. Jim Colonel, coffee's on him, capital J-I-M-C. So Jim C20, get you 20% off at checkout. And I just got to know he'll be buying coffee all through 2024 as well. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that. To our buddy Ted Kubiak, he told me to stop mentioning it because we're, he's getting overload on orders right now, but I'm not going to stop until Christmas. Old School is a great book for your, your baseball lover. And How to Field a Ground Ball. Put those in your stocking stuffer list so, and get it on your bookshelf in a hurry. There. So with that, want to welcome back our host to the arms race, Jim Colonel, former Yankee minor leaguer, very successful high school coach, tremendous researcher and teacher of pitching. Uh, we talked about his program last time, but we'll, we'll revisit it again here. Jim, welcome back to your show. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And uh, I will send in some of my favorite uh, Christmas tunes for you, okay? Yeah, you can call me. You got my direct sell. So um, you, you don't you don't have to put it through the, the network here. But uh, I'll tell you, last week I told you off the air, I thought it was a, I thought it was a beautiful show on your part. And um, a lot of great information out there for our audience. Uh, I, I suggested that they listen to it once with a, with a pad and hand write notes, then listen to it again, because there, there's so much good information. But before we left last time, um, and I wanted to start with this, is if this is okay, uh, is you, you were going to read off a couple of really, uh, really impressive testimonials to the work you've done. And and just a reminder, rem- remind before you read them, just remind the audience, you know, you, you identified very clearly four areas of the pitching motion that, that have a the direct effect on it. Remind the audience, and then if you don't mind, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you don't mind reading those testimonials, that'd be great. Oh yeah. Um, you mentioned, you mean the four, four areas that I was concerned about regarding youth pitching, what I said. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, we talked about number one is velocity and how I feel that's being misrepresented and also being used as the uh, golden ticket to um, achieve success, albeit on the high school, college, minor league, major league level, et cetera. And we talked about that. Um, then secondly, we talked about training, um, um, how I thought that some of the training methods that are being used now are, are I believe, antithetical to a young pitcher's um, health and development. And we talked about spin rate, uh, where I thought that was being oversold, where I look at it as a tool, uh, not necessarily as a, um, a um, barometer or a, a method to uh, evaluate a, a pitcher's performance or his ceiling. And uh, last but not least, importantly, from my experience, we can talk about this later, is uh, how I feel the Tommy John surgery and its recovery time is being misrepresented uh, as far as, hey, it's no big deal. You know, you get it, move on. It's a year and a half, two years, you'll be better than ever. And uh, my experience and my research has uh, told me that that's not the case. So that's kind of what we touched on the last time. You did, yeah. And your and your program, just as a reminder, is the, the two points of emphasis that I always take away from talking to you is it's about health and it's about performance. And not not to oversimplify it, but your 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 depth, where most people are breadth out there, your your depth over breadth, and and if people can grab onto that as we continue our show today, it's about health, it's about performance. Um, you you'll be able to take what Jim has to say and and digest it and put it to great use. So. Um, it's not embarrassing, is it? If I have you read the testimonials, you're, you're good with that, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, you know, I, I, I will give uh, – the, these are just two examples. And, and the reason uh, I think it, it's important is that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking 
to the audience here and professing to be a genius or somebody who is a, uh, you know, a complete expert on this. But I, I want to be able to share the results I've gotten because I think it emphasizes and supports what I'm talking about. And in, in essence, I talked about just wanting to help young pitchers stay healthy help them develop to their best of their ability. So uh, by sharing just two of these examples, people, the light bulb may go on and say, you know, there, there's some relevance to this. And I understand what Jim's talking about and what his goals and objectives are and what the results have been. Um, so, you know, I'll just, I'll read two of these. One is with a high school pitcher I work with in Connecticut. And the other is with a college pitcher who was a conference pitcher of the year. Um, so the first one, the high school pitcher, 17 year old pitcher, um, here's his comments. I just ask people after I work with them to follow up and give me their assessment and what their results are, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, and I don't hold anything back. They, they share everything with me. So this is Ryan B's assessment after we worked several times, uh, past summer, uh, not this summer, past summer, two summers ago. Go, he goes, the drills are simple to follow and can be done anywhere. They're very helpful. The adjustments are not hard to make. I do feel a difference with my arm path, being more relaxed with a better arm slot, which allows me to get on top of the baseball. I can feel the difference using my entire body to throw versus just using my arm. Before working with you, my arm and shoulder felt sore after pitching, and it took three to four days to recover. Since we have been working, this has cut down to one or two days. My arm does not feel sore at all. I have much better command. My strike ratio has improved, allowing me to pitch longer outings. My curveball has seen a big improvement, a sharper break, and I can now throw it for a strike when I need to. My max velocity has increased since I started working with you. Now, I will add that the summer I worked with him, that previous summer as a sophomore, he was a JV pitcher. I followed up the next year and asked his father how he did, he was a varsity pitcher, was 5-1 and one, with a 1.25 ERA and made all-conference. So, so, so the point I'm trying to make here is that this ties into what I've been talking about, about what I've been seeing and the adjustments I've had and been having young pitchers make to establish and create a more athletic and balanced throwing motion, which allows them to create energy from the ground up as we talked about, then their lower half becomes the engine and the arm is a steering wheel. What that does is, number one, we talked about, or you mentioned arm health, it significantly reduces the stress on the arm. I've had other pitchers, I had one pitcher told me they couldn't pitch more than two winnings after using the drills and, and following the um, online tap into tap. He was able to pitch, pitch complete games, his arm, his arm pain is gone. Now, yes, that's anecdotal, but it's also supported by other people I work with. So I'm not saying this is a miracle cure. Once again, as we talked about, I look at this from a common sense perspective. Can I create energy from the lower, from the ground up? Can I transfer that energy to the upper half, to the arm, so I can reduce the stress on the arm and I can reduce my risk of injury? So quite simply, and, and, and I'm jumping ahead, but when I... When I work with a pitcher, what I want them to understand is that when they're in this motion, they're not throwing the baseball, they're releasing the baseball. It's basically releasing the baseball is the last step of a sequential motion, which is done with proper kinetic timing. Okay, so I didn't mean to digress there, but that's important to understand because if when these pitchers have made these adjustments, and they learn to use their lower half, and they create a healthier arm path, number one, they do have significant, <clears throat> excuse me, a reduction in arm pain and stress on their arm. But as you've seen, and I'll talk about in the next testimonial, there is an improvement in command, and we'll talk about that later. So, and in, in, in as far as their performance goes. So here's the second one. Let, let me ask you a question quick before sure. you get to because I, I, you brought up a key point that I was not a pitcher. I'm a second baseman. So I, I see things from a different perspective. But the part that jumped out at me with your explanation was the bottom half is the engine. I don't see that when I'm watching these these crazy, I don't know what they call them, pull downs on, uh, on the, the internet. 
and on social media where these kids are not using the bottom half as the engine. It's, it's the other way around is what I'm seeing, which is probably why there's so many injuries. Well, I, that, that's a really good question and a good point. There's a vast difference between moving your lower half and using your lower half properly. Everybody moves their lower half. The question is, are they moving it properly to use it properly? Yeah. Okay. So I'll just give you one example and then we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll go on is that, and I don't understand this concept, this philosophy, this execution, whatever you want to label it. <laughs> when you're on the mound and you're throwing the baseball and your back leg collapses prematurely before you go to the plate, from an anatomical and biomechanic perspective, once again, let's talk about common sense. The only reason or that would help you is if your goal on the mound was to leap as far forward to the catcher. Then it would make sense to me to collapse your back leg you, as if you're sitting in a chair, and now I want to leap forward, Okay. But that's not the pitching motion. The pitching motion is you're going to the plate, you're putting your foot in the ground, you're actually stopping to create torque. So, you know, the, we could go on and I could talk about that for, for, for another hour, but that's just one example of moving your body. Yeah. But in my perspective, it's not using your body with the proper motion to create energy from the ground up. Yeah, I no, I, this is all this is across the board. I mean, I have videos of guys and photos. They look like they're sitting in a chair before they even have gone to the plate. I do not understand that concept. Yeah, no, I, I, I asked the question. So I I, uh, I appreciate the I don't care how long it takes to answer. I, the, the answer is important, I think. And um, you can you can blame that one on me. But that was no, no. that was something that I saw. And I think. You have a, a way with, again, we're, we're not a visual show or an audio show for right now. We will have visual capabilities in the new year. But your way of using words to paint a very clear picture um, is just more evidence as to why you're a very good teacher. So I, uh, I wanted to kind of let the audience grab onto that. What's the next testimonial? Well, I appreciate that. Can I add one more thing to that? Oh, I don't yeah, want it's to your show, to, brother. You can do what you want. I don't want to get into the mechanics of it, but in, 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 that, in that same equation, collapsing your back leg. And I say this to pitchers I work with all the time. You're six foot two. Okay. Why would you want to, why would, why would you want to make yourself five foot nine before you go to the plate? Yeah, good point. And, and I see this all the time and you're back, you're, you are going to collapse. You are going to go to the plate, but it's real simple. You're six, two, stay six, two, throw the ball downhill, take advantage of your height, Take advantage of your stability, but don't collapse over the rubber and make yourself 5'8 and basically lower the ball level. It, it, that Once again, to me, it defies common sense and logic. Forget yeah, the about way, the dynamics of pitching, right? Yeah. The way you say it makes it be like, yeah, I mean, that does, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. What now with, um, sorry, I keep asking questions here because this is interesting for our audience. With the, the collapse of the leg, when, when should the leg, because if you collapse too early, you're really leaking energy. You're wasting body energy too. In addition to that, that height advantage, I guess that arm angle action, when, when should you collapse? Well, you know, that talking about collapsing as, as you go to the plate, your back leg is going to collapse, right? It's just a natural motion. And I know, I know, I know we're not visual here, but, but to your point, and this is actually the, the other point of it, as far as the leg collapsing, if, if I ask a basketball player who I, who I coached or a football player or a defensive back, anybody to move athletically side to side or to be able to rotate your hips to change direction, and the first thing they do is collapse their back leg, they've taken their hip rotation out of the movement. It's just, it's just an anatomical fact, right? So if you're talking about pitching, and we're talking about maximizing the use of the lower half, which really comes from rotating the crap out of your back hip to the plate. Okay. Excuse the expression, but that's the rotation. If I collapse my back leg to the, the greater degree, I collapse my back leg prior to going to the plate. I increase or decrease. I sorry. I decrease my ability to rotate my back hip to create energy with my lower half. 
that's just one aspect of of how you or ver, moving your lower half versus using your lower half. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a, it's a subtle subtle words, but it it makes all the difference in the world. What what about the next testimonial? Now let's hear that one. Okay, so this this is the one from the college pitcher. Okay. The adjustments I made in my throwing motion helped me to improve my lower half ball timing by adjusting my leg lift, learning to go to the target and creating a more relaxed arm path. I was able to create more balance and stability throughout my throwing motion, which enabled me to use my lower half more effectively. I noticed the following results. One, my command has improved. My strike ratio has gone up. My pitches are moving crisper. I now feel I can throw any pitch in any count. My arm wasn't nearly as sore as it used to be when I finished pitching. My arm recovered much quicker and was ready to use earlier than before. After making the adjustments, my throwing motion feels smoother and I am throwing harder. I like it. I I heard some similar words in both. I heard the word relaxed in both boys' testimonial. Yeah. When, when, when I work with pitchers, right. And you can imagine in this day and age, everybody's lifting weights, everybody's bulking up. You're 16, you know, very few 16 year old and 17 year olds are doing yoga. Right. So when I work with a pitcher and, and it's interesting when I, when I try to, and I stand behind them and I try to help them like, you know, learn an arm path and I try to move their arm. It's like, it's like moving a piece of wood. I mean, it's amazing how stiff and rigid these pitchers are. And what I try to convince them or talk to them about is that your upper arms, your spaghetti, okay? You want to be as relaxed as possible, right? The lower half, even with the lower half, it's a relaxed, smooth delivery. You're releasing the ball at the end. I always say, you know, when they say when they look at somebody, he looks like he's not even throwing. Well, in essence, that's what we're talking about, right? We're looking to create a relaxed motion because quite frankly, forgetting about that, put aside, if if I'm relaxed and my arms are relaxed and I'm putting just less stress on my arm physically, proactively by myself, well, that makes sense. And I'm also going to help reduce the stress on my arm plus whatever I do with my motion to accomplish that, right? So, you know, that's what it, that's what it, what it really, the goal and objective is there. And, and the other thing about being relaxed is, and we talked about this before, when I talk to young pitchers, I, I talk to them about they have to have three relaxed hinges. Their wrist has to be relaxed, their elbow has to be relaxed, and their shoulder has to be relaxed. And that ties into the spaghetti. But, but when you can accomplish that, and most kids that I've worked with when they come to me, maybe have one or two, they don't have three relaxed hinges because they're trying to... F- throw the ball and force the ball, right? So when you have three relaxed hinges and your arm is loose, well, you're going to get it up quicker. You're going to have better timing, but you're also going to have more relaxed. You're going to have a more relaxed release. You're going to have more movement, okay? Coupled with creating better timing between your lower half and upper half. So it all it all ties in together, but to your point about that, that relaxed factor and the, and the feature and, and the aspect of both of those um, testimonials, wh- that's what I try to talk about. It's, it's take a deep breath, upper, ha- upper half of spaghetti, you know, just let the arm flow, release the baseball, and they go, wow, that, that feels really good. I go, it's, it's not rocket science. <laughs> I, I smiled as you read it because the words that, and it's, again, you're dealing with two different ages. And what I, what I like about the two testimonials are that it's not like we're tossing Garrett Cole or, you know, a big time major leaguer out there trying to take credit for what they're doing. These are two regular kids that enjoy the game, that are working hard to, to make themselves good players. And your system has done exactly what you said. It's there. Both kids mentioned health. Uh, the last young man mentioned health and recovery. And um, both mentioned things about performance balance, stability, command. Nobody mentions spin rate or tunneling or all these, these crazy words that you hear out there right now. So made me smile because these are, these kids are getting the exact results you're, you're, you're promoting. Well, it's interesting. Well, uh, you know, I didn't read the, the other, um, the couple, um, where I had some catchers whenever I work with a pitcher and he's been throwing, I always go to the catcher after he's pitched and go, what did you see? Right. And all of them have said, 
wow, his, his curveball is breaking sharper. He can control it. And I, I've never asked them, well, what was the spin rate before and what's the spin rate after? Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I know what a sharp breaking ball looks like. And uh, if they can make some adjustments to create a sharp break, um, you know, at some point in time, if they want to gauge their spin rate, so be it. But I don't, I don't need to know that to help a pitcher improve his performance. Yeah, it shouldn't be driving the ship by any means. I think your system would be, you know, the, the battery is, is, is one unit, in, in my opinion. I think your system would be just as good education for the catchers as it would be for the pitchers. And I didn't even think about that until you brought it up that you're, you're communicating with the catchers. What are you seeing? That's important. And it's not, it's not being done, taught, or emphasized today. Well, yeah, I, when, I, when I work with pitchers, right, and I think I touched upon this, but just, you know, we'll play catch a little bit. Right. Because my feeling is that we taught I'll get this into, into this further in a few minutes, but it's all part of the process. So I'm not going to put a pitcher on the mound till we play catch at 45, 25, 35 feet, whatever. And he can show me that he's able to begin to incorporate the, the at least the beginning steps of this process. Right. I want to see if he can use this lower half properly. Because if you can't do that, there's no reason for me to put him on the mound. And then we go to the mound and we're throwing 45 shorts. So I'll get any catcher to work with him who I can find. But then occasionally I will try to get his catcher. Okay. And, and so the catcher understands and we'll go through a lesson. And the catcher understands what I'm trying to work with. And I'll explain to the catcher what we're doing and what results we're looking for. And I'll actually go to the catcher, okay, this is what I want. This is the feedback or this is what I want you to look for during a game when you come back and talk to me. I want to talk. I want you to tell me about his command. I want you to talk about his breaking ball. You know, was he, were you able, was he able to go low and away, up and in, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll work on that in the bullpen. In the lesson, it, it actually is a bullpen. So the catcher is very aware, as you said, it's very important for the catcher to understand what we're doing. Because I've also talked to catchers and go, listen, we're working on this aspect of his motion. And I've taught this to pitchers all the time. Pitching is the only sport where you get to call timeout and go, okay, timeout, I want to throw seven pitches to warm up. You get that in between innings. You don't get that in any other sport. A quarterback comes in because the starting quarterback gets hurt. It's third and 10, and it's the fourth quarter. He doesn't get to, get to go to the, 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 the line judge and go, hey, give me seven down and outs, right? So just as an example. So I tell catchers sometimes, hey, do me a favor. You know, he's looking, he's working on this. If you see he's struggling with it, maybe mention it to him, whether it's a pitch or whether it's an aspect of his motion, then maybe he can use those seven pitches to focus on, okay? Um, not that it's going to change dramatically, but that is practice also, so you might as well put it to good use. And we'll talk about how to use those in between pitches down the road because they're not used well at all by youth and high school pitchers. But once again, it's all part of the process, right? If he can begin to think about it and the catcher can communicate, well, then it's a win-win for both the catcher and the pitcher. Yeah, I, I don't know why that's, again, another common sense thing that you just said that makes me shake my head and say, why aren't we doing that out there more? Where it's Because pitching doesn't happen in a vacuum and neither does catching. They have to be mechanically sound, but that, that space between the notes uh, that happens, that, that tango dance between the two is where you get the great performances. So, no, yeah, I think that's you know, important. And I've said this to pitchers that I work with. I go, listen – after the lesson, when you go on the mound and pitch, we've never met. Don't even think about what we're doing. Don't even forget about what I've talked about. Flush it down the toilet. Because the more we do this and the more you do the drills at home that I give you, it's going to become second nature and you'll retain the muscle memory. So that's an important factor of this process. I don't want a pitcher going in the mound and saying, hey, uh, uh, Coach Colonel told me to do this. No, when he goes on the mound, he's throwing the baseball, right? That's it. I can tell how successful or how much he's been working by what the results are, right? Yeah. That's where it comes down to. What's, what's done is done. That's, uh, I think the mark of a great teacher is you're trying to make yourself obsolete. And whatever's been, whatever that young man has in his body and in his mind, he's got to let it just come out um, and then, uh, then, then train on what's not working at, a, at another time. But I think those are great, great points to make. 
you know, we chatted last show and, and you just made mention of some other pitches. I think it may be a great segue. Um, so I know you do have, you have some, and as you have those stories that match, you go right ahead and start to start telling them because your stories provide great context to what, what we're trying to get across. But you talked about the importance of the change up last show. And if we're not ready to jump there, you pull me back. But, uh, if you, if you would expound upon that, there's a six part process that you like to go through. Um, would you mind touching on that a little bit? Yeah, 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 no, without a doubt. Uh, what we talked about and, 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 um, what I, what I've seen because the, the velocity paradigm has kind of changed this all around and, and flipped everything on its head is that when I work with pitchers and, and, and as let's get back to everything is under the guise of the process. Right. And I'll tie this into the changeup. The first thing we do is work on fastball command. Right. So it's 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 fastball down the middle, down the middle. So we do a bullpen. We're, to, we're looking to, to, to locate and be able to throw strikes. Oh, count down the middle of the plate. Once you can do that on a 50, 60 percent ratio, then we work to maybe low and away and, and, and up and in on the hand. So as an example. Right. So so there's a process with that. But then the second step is the next pitch is a changeup. OK, I don't even want to talk to them about throwing a curveball, a forkball, whatever else they have until they can throw a changeup, which will offset the hitter's timing. OK, and this is how you learn to throw a changeup or how I teach to throw a changeup. And it's part of the process is that it's not going to happen overnight. So what I tell the young man is that, OK, when you're warming up or playing catch before a game or you're in the backyard, play catch throwing a changeup. You know, we work on the circle change. We talk about, you know, make the, you can make the, your, your thumb smaller, et cetera, et cetera. I said, you're going to learn how to throw this by playing catch. Once you're comfortable there, now when we throw a bullpen, I'm going to have you throw five fastballs down the middle. Now we're going to throw five changeups. I want you to throw changeups to a catcher to get comfortable seeing if you can even get within the strike zone. Just get comfortable throwing the pitch. Now, why do you do one right after the other? Is it because of the motions have got to be? Oh, it could be anything. What? 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 They're they're separate. Though. It, you know, it could be five fastballs. You know, five changeups, five curveballs. Right. But I, I want to group it together because we're still developing the muscle memory. Gotcha. And once that pitcher, once I see he begins to say, "Hey, this guy's got pretty good command." Now, what we're going to do is going to go two fastballs, two changeups, two curveballs, two changeups, two fastballs, two change. Now we're going to alternate a little. It's like I'll relate it to playing golf, right? You go to the driving range and you hit 30 drivers in a row. You go, well, I'm really pounding the driver today. Yeah. Well, the first 10 you put in the woods and every three you hit bad, okay? You go to the golf course, you're going to hit your driver every 10 minutes. If it's crowded, every 15 minutes, have you really created the muscle memory to hit the driver successfully on the golf course? If, yeah. if you can understand that analogy. Oh, yeah. you're, ch- you're chunking and then you're just reducing – the amount of uh, time and reps in between having to perform. I think that's exactly. Uh, exactly. So you, you basically want to be able to learn the muscle memory and build it as you would need it in the game, because I'm not going to throw 15 change ups in a row in a game. I might throw one and five, five minutes later for another one. So anyway, so that's why, do- you know what that's from, for our hitters in the audience, it's similar to, that's why I hate taking when guys go to hit, I hate when they take, you know, 10 swings, 15 swings, 30 swings, 40 swings, five minutes of swings, because that never happens in the game. I mean, three to five swings with with some intent, with a count in mind, with an approach. That's that's uh, the, the hitting equivalent to that. So, oh, without a doubt, that. without a doubt. But you know, you know, young kids, whatever, more is better. You know, more is more is usually just more. It's not better, but that's pretty much the concept of it, right? So, um, so now, so now we go. Okay, looks like he's got pretty good. Now, what I'll do is every other pitch. Fastball changeup, fastball changeup. Now I want to see if he's really gained the muscle memory. Okay, might have to work on that for a session or two. What are you looking for in that? Like, what what are some cues? I know it's not cookie cutter, but what are some things that you'll see commonalities when when a guy's going from fastball to change back to fastball? What, what will give in the body? Um, uh, number one is they they they're not comfortable enough with the grip. So there's not enough reduction in speed instead of maybe, you know, 10 to 12 miles an hour, it'll be like a fastball because they haven't really been able to go, Hey, I got this grip. I can just basically pick it on my glove. You know, as I tell the pitchers, as well, you know, just take your glove, put the ball in the glove and you should be able to go fastball, change up, fastball, change up just with your hands. Once you can do that, I go, 
then you pretty much got the grip down as an aside. But so it's usually speed and it's, you know, command. Um, you know, the ball's way over the catcher's head or it's three feet in the ground because he, while he's been able to throw four or five of those in a row, he's now not, it, not able to throw every other pitch for a changeup. Okay. So that's, that's telling to me. But I tell the pitcher, once you can do that, okay, now you take it to the game and you start throwing your changeups in between innings for two, per- two reasons. One is get, getting comfortable in the game off the mound. Number two is you want to show the hitter that you have a changeup, okay? You may or may not throw it, but if he sees you throwing the changeup, that's got to be in the back of his mind when he's at the plate. And that's all you're looking to do is create some doubt in the hitter's mind that, hey, it's, it's 1-1, it's 0-1. He's not necessarily going to throw me a fastball here. I've seen him throw a curb. I've seen him throw a changeup, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, so what's the, next step, what's the next step of that? Well, now, now you're in a game and you go, I'm pretty comfortable with this pitch, but I want to use it when we're way ahead and the risk is minimal. So now it's 4 nothing, 5 nothing. You go, okay, I'm going to throw a couple of change-ups. I want to see if I can throw this in the game and I can command it in the game. You do that. The final step is bottom of the seventh, score tied, third hitter up, 1-1 one, one count. I'm going to throw you a change-up. Now you know you've learned it. So it's a, it's, you know, a six-step process. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's uh, can you run back through one through six just real quick? Just give sure. them an order. So um, is um, number one is just number one is you know fooling around with the grip in your glove, playing catch. Right after you play catch, you take it to the bullpen. You throw maybe sets of three or four changeups inters- interspersed with your other pitchers. And then you then you go two fastballs, two changeups. You get down to one and one. Or you're, you know whatever pitches you have, you're mixing it in. And if once you get command of that. Right. Then you take it to the take it to the game, throw it in between pitches and then you throw it in a game where it's low risk. And then you use it when you have the number three hitter up and it's crunch time. And that's no different. That's no different with any pitch. I mean, if you want to learn, you know, I tell kids all the time, if you want to be able to throw a fastball on the outside corner, oh, two to the number three hitter, you better be able to do that in the bullpen. And that's where you have to work on it. Uh, you just can't step on the mound because the catcher sit, you know, sits there and, and your coach says, hey, low and away. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. You got to practice it. It's part of the process. It's high, you know, stuff like that. You know, I like I like the in-between innings, too, because it gets you more reps. It's, you're actually on the mound. It's not a game situation. But and then the, the mental component with the hitters watching you as they should be and timing you. If they're not staring at their iPads, I don't think they do that at the youth levels. But, no, uh, no, we never we never allowed any iPads on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. And you, you mentioned practicing in the bullpen, and I mentioned this as kind of a segue into something. I don't, I, I won't ask you to expound upon it, but uh, I'm going to tease it a little bit for one of our shows tomorrow. Jim Cott, who is our host of Cott's Corner, the Hall of Famer, um, we all exchanged, you know, with with your your research at the the, the point of it your research, your videos, and you do videos. I mean, so you have some great stuff on, on, uh, on big league guys and pro guys, which is, it's amazing the work you're able to do. Um, but Jim always talks about when he was, he was a pitching coach teaching guys to go up and in, he would actually stand in the bullpen with a bat, with a helmet on and with his arms raised. And he would have them throw, um, you know, nine, 10 fastballs underneath his armpits and God bless him. That's brave to do. That's taken it another step as a pitching coach, but, uh, him saying that, yeah, I can't just expect them to brush a guy off the plate in the game if they can't do it with me in the bullpen. So, well, I I was a little more safer. I wasn't as brave as Jim. I had a cardboard cutout. Oh my god! Um, we, yeah. we did get we did get hitters to step, you know, stand up there. But no, that's that's an excellent point, um, and we can talk about that further down the road. Mm-hmm. The 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 lack of ability to focus with young pitchers and understand how valuable the bullpen work is and what you need to get done and how you need to approach the bullpen. It's your own personal homework. And, um, you know, I've seen kids go in and just, I'm just going to throw 20 pitches and they walk out and they thrown like one or two strikes. And to myself, I'm going, well, you're not going to get it done on the mound during the game. Um, and so, so, you know, there's a, there's a big disconnect between, how do I approach a bullpen? What do I need to work on? And how do I use that as part of the process 
to allow me to become a more effective a, a pitcher and improve my performance on game day, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. We on the video series, but it's interesting. Yeah. And you and you put and we're not going to cover it on this show. And I I do know that uh, Jim's going to talk about it a little bit on his show tomorrow, uh, Cotts Corner, where you actually did a uh, an in depth critique of of Jim's motion, Jim Cotts. And uh, he's going to share a little bit on the show tomorrow. So we appreciate yeah, I you. Gave him, I gave him a pretty good rating. I pointed out a couple of things and I said, hey, not bad for a Hall of Famer. That's <laughs> right. He did, he did all right. He, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that tomorrow because he, he's excited about the dialogue that you guys share, as I am. I, I love I mean, just so our audience know, I probably wake up to, you know, at least a minimum of two, sometimes five or six uh, emails from Jim on, I mean, you're, you're, a, uh, you're into it. This is, you're not just... This isn't something that, you know, you just picked up and, and uh, decided to do for the heck of it. You are in it nonstop um, all day long um, and you use every resource you can from youth baseball to Major League Baseball and even Hall of Famers, as we mentioned. And I look forward to those every month. It's the first thing I, I read with my coffee before I and then I go. I It's my uh, my read before I get to Kevin Kernan's Ball Nine article. So oh, he's, been, uh, he's been great. I've loved talking to him. Um, he's been really insightful, uh, gave me some great ideas and he's asked me a ton of questions, which is what I said last time I was always looking for. It's all you want, right? Somebody asked me a lot of questions so we can dialogue and I can kind of maybe begin to look at things differently or reinforce that how I've been looking at certain things is correct. Right. So it's, it's a learning process and I've appreciated his investment of his time and energy and support. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, you and I had talked for so long and I got to a point, you know, we, we talked about that next level. And, you know, again, I, I kind of said it half joking, but I'm a hitter. And uh, even by accident, I'm going to try to ruin it for you. So I said, let me get it to a pitcher right away before I try to uh, ruin this stuff uh, as a hitter, trying to get tips in, in, uh, in, in terms of your, your process. But with, um, with what we've talked now, there, you always have great... Uh, you have great real life experiences, real life stories that go along with, with some of the teachings. Did you want to share any um, anecdotal <laughs> yeah, stories? There's a couple that I think um, out of the out of the you know, out of the file I have. There's two that I, I'd like to relate to the, the audience that kind of speak to what we've been talking about uh, regarding um, the, the throwing motion and arm health um, and and injury prevention. Uh, and, and I've had many dialogues with parents, um, as you can imagine, um, one of the very frustrating things for me when I was coaching was pitchers would have two, one pitcher I had, had three pitching instructors during the season. So you can imagine that I just kind of stepped back and said, this is not going to play out very well. Um, and, and from my perspective for the young man, because I also didn't want to add a fourth voice to that. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very convoluted process the way it works right now. But anyway, um, always talking to parents, um, always concerned about what I see with their sons and how uh, and what I'm concerned about as far as them having a future injury down the road. And once again, this is not about me trying to uh, profess that I am clairvoyant. Uh, it's more about my making people aware of and just sharing my experience, what I've seen and how I think it works from a practical standpoint and a common sense standpoint with young pitchers. So um, there's two, two short stories. As I mentioned, either last episode or the episode before, um, you know, I've evaluated many high school youth pitchers. What I started doing a year or two ago were motion studies. And I called them motion studies where I take 15 to 20 pitchers. I knew exactly what I was getting. They all throw the same. I have videos. It's, 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 you know, like I said, there's, there's no surprise for me. But the goal of the motion study is to start at A and move them down the road and help them understand the adjustments they have to make to improve their arm health and improve their performance, right? So when I do these motion studies, I meet the parents and the, and the, and the pitchers, and I just have a 15-minute quick meeting saying, hey, this is what we're doing. These are the goals and objectives. Okay. And it's going to cost you $85 and I give all the money to charity. So everybody on board, just raise your hand, sign the piece of paper. Okay. So we're, it usually works real, really well. Done. How much, uh, you know, you, I think great point right in the beginning where 
you recognized earlier that this kid had three at minimum of three other, you know, I'm using air quotes on an audio show, pitching coaches in, in his head. Right. The, the, the instinct with a lot of these guys out there now is they want to be the fourth one and they want to be the loudest. And your instinct was to step back and, and uh, observe first. Why? And then the second one is how important is the education of the parents and all this stuff? Well, one is it was it was my my interest in the kid in the in the young man. Uh, I you know I, I can only imagine what he was trying to process with two or three pitching coaches, and I I, I didn't look necessarily look at it as a waste of my time, even though my goal and objective was to get into to perform the best to the best of his ability to help the team. I didn't want to add to his confusion, so I just said I'll step back. I'll just step back. Right. Um, then, as far as the parents go. It's extremely important. It's extremely important um, as far as having them understand what their, how their son, what's in their son's best interest and how to help their son work not only hard, but more importantly, smart. Because I've seen a lot of young athletes across the board who work hard, but for lack of knowledge or lack of teaching, don't understand how to work smart. Because that's even more important to me than working hard. Yeah. Well, you recognize when I mentioned hitting that sometimes more, more, more. These kids want more and more. They think more is better and it's not. No, uh, it's, so it's, not, it's, not, it's not even close. And that gets into, you know, you, you know, one sport all year round, three sport athletes. I mean, that's the whole thing is just the whole thing is crazy, but that's a separate issue. I mean, it ties into it, but that's a whole nother conversation for three weeks. Um, but so that's that's really it's it's. I'm, I, I, my goal to educate the parents is to help the young man. Yeah. Because the parents, as a parent, you're looking to provide opportunities for your son. I, I try to share my experiences with the parents so I can maybe hopefully educate them so they can provide the best opportunities and the best pathway for their son's success. Now, I've had many people that have listened to me. Many people have said, no, thank you. And so, you know, that's, that's the bell curve of life which doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> but I, I, I asked you that question because I want the audience to recognize the difference. One of the biggest questions I get from, from parents is, how do you tell the difference? And, they, and I get asked because I played professional baseball. I played both college baseball and college basketball for four years. I coached both sports as a head collegiate coach, um, basketball at the Division One level, baseball at the Division Three. But uh, so they ask you as a parent, now, how do you tell the difference? And I am deconstructing that, but one of the points you brought up is one that I look for and I advise parents when your son or daughter has been to, you know, X, you know, fill in the blank number of coaches and you go to somebody who you think, you know, could have the answers. What's their first instinct? Your first instinct was to observe and watch as opposed to be the next loudest voice in their head. And you did so because of the statement you made, which I think is the differentiator. Your interest was in the kid. It wasn't in becoming the most famous you know, grassroots developer of, of pitchers. It wasn't to get clicks on social media. It was to simply transfer your knowledge um, and experiences to another young person. So that's a difference well, I, maker. I, I appreciate that. And you know, <laughs> anecdotally, right? I, my, you know, my 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 wife is tremendous, right? So she, I, I let's put it this way. I know what I don't know. Okay, and <laughs> meaning that I'm not allowed to touch any power tools. Yeah, if we're, I mean, if, if we're going to build a deck, I have to hire somebody. Uh, my tool chest is above the oven with the liquor in the liquor cabinet. Okay, but but so so when I approach somebody about this subject, right, I know what I know. Yeah, but I'm not going to either belabor the point or force them to make a decision that they don't want to make. It's kind of this is what I want to share with you. These are my goals and objectives and the reason for my doing it. You know, talk to your son, make a decision, get back to me, whatever. That's the way I operate. I mean, it's just, and that's just fair. That's just being fair to the parent. That's being fair to the pitcher, right? That's the way, that's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you don't mind sharing these, these anecdotal stories because I think it helps our audience understand, again, the difference between if they, if they can't tell with, with the knowledge alone, I think putting it to music like this helps them out a ton. We we we've we've got some time left. Would you have? Oh, I you know what? We, we got a little bit of tangent. I want to give you those. Okay. 
two story. We kind of digress a little bit, okay? Yeah. So anyway, two two examples which I think are really important from what I've witnessed out there and what I've seen and what I've tried to um, how I've tried to educate and what I've tried to do to improve pitchers and rectify what I think is an issue. Number one is, I'm, we're talking about it, right? We, we're talking about the motion study programs, right? So there's one gentleman there with his son. Now, I knew, I, I knew of the, kid, the player because the guy I coached with said, hey, this kid's got some really good upside. He's a freshman. He's about 6'1", six, six foot, 6'1", six, gangly, you know, long, lengthy, but he threw in the mid-80s. So, it, you know, we, it, you know, I'm not saying velocity is the whole thing, but obviously if a kid's 15 years old and he's got some size and he throws, you go, hey, there's, there's some, there's, this is a definite ceiling here, an upside to him. Anyway, so we're talking to the young man. I go, do you have a video? So I look at the video and go, oh, this is great. This kid's exactly what I'm looking for, right? So we go through the whole process. This, the father calls up my, my, my friend and says, he's not going to get involved. Uh, I don't want anybody changing my son. Uh, he's got two pitching coaches. He goes to this really well-known facility, et cetera, et cetera. I go, okay. So I said to, I said to my friend, Sean, I go, I'm really concerned this, guy's, this young man's going to get hurt, okay? He's going to have a serious injury. Sean goes, uh, can I talk to the father? Never heard anything, right? I swim the workout, so <laughs> I'm coming out of the pool one day, and I get a phone call, and it's the father. And the father goes, I heard you want to talk to me. I go, oh, yeah, I'm concerned about your son. I'm not looking for, he goes, I'm not looking for a pitching coach. I go, I'm not trying to sell you a pitching coach. I said, I'm calling and I want to talk to you because your son is going to have a significant arm injury. I'm really concerned about how he throws the baseball, right? So he goes, well, he goes to X and Y facility. They said he's, and I go, what's that? He goes, you don't know what that is? You don't know who that is? And I go, no. He goes, so he's kind of smirked. He goes, and he gave me the name of the individual who runs the facility. I go, ah, now I understand. So I didn't say anything, right? So he goes, they've told him he's years ahead. He's way ahead of everybody his age. Now, I got a sense from the father. He kind of, you know, he knew it all. So I, I wanted to say, yeah, he's way, way ahead of his age as far as getting injured but I'm not going to go there. Right. Yeah. So we're talking, right. And that's a good uh, example. I want to catch you for one second. So parents grab on. Um, we hear what we want to hear sometimes. Um, and I, I won't say that I'm not guilty of that myself as a parent, but you've got to, you, you have to take a step back when it comes to your kid's health. And, and in this case, you're paying money for performance too. So yeah, we, we what did he want to hear? Uh, he's way ahead of his, his time, but he didn't, he didn't ask for the next 10 words. And that's always my claim with the parents. That's one of the other disclaimers. They'll give you the first 10, ask them the next 10 words. Um, and if they can answer that, I'll walk away. But usually they can't. So, so I didn't mean to interrupt the story, but I think that's another, that's another point that I use with parents that you're bringing up naturally that they need to look into because you were trying to give them the next 10 words and he wasn't going to take it. Oh, he was yeah. Not- I mean, I told Sean, I, go, I, I wasn't looking to sell him anything. I was just going, this kid is going to get hurt. Okay. So anyway, so we're talking. And so then he goes to me, he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you just looked at a 10 second video. So then again, I wanted to say, I don't need a video. I just need one picture. But I said, I'm not going to go there. Right. So he, so I go, listen, I go, appreciate it. I said, like I said, I'm not looking for a pitching to be your son's pitching coach. I'm just concerned he's going to get injured. He said, thank you very much for hung up the phone. Fast forward two months later, I get a phone call from Sean, labrum surgery. I found out later that this father was a former minor league umpire. That's, that makes the story even worse. Now, that's youth sports, right? So I go, I felt, ba- I, I felt bad for the kid. I really felt bad, but hey, I you know I'm not looking to twist any arms. I'm just looking to say this is what I see. Here's the reason for it. I think I believe I can help your son, and then let the chips fall where they may, right? Um, but one more story. And, yeah, go ahead. yeah. It's just you know, <laughs> we were playing against the uh, an opposing team, actually a team from my hometown, and I heard a lot about this kid. He threw really well, big kid. Um, he was a college prospect. So I sat, I sat behind, I, I went behind the 
the uh, home plate behind the fence. And I just watch him throw some warm-ups. I go, oh, my gosh, once again, I go, it's, it's, there's, there's going to be a problem here. So I videotape him from the side, just from the side, because I obviously couldn't do it during the game. And I got a hold of the strength and conditioning coach who was friends with the family. And I just said, hey, do me a favor. I said, I'm really concerned about this young man. Um, this is what I see. This is why I think he's going to have a significant arm injury. And uh, would you just please share this with the father? And if he's interested, give me a call. I'd just like to talk to him, right? Never, couldn't, couldn't, get, it, couldn't get the father's attention. Never heard, never heard from him. Um, fast forward two years later, my neighbor actually happened to be friends with that family. And I said, hey, how's uh, you know, XYZ doing? He had Tommy John surgery. <laughs> I go, it's not, once again, I hate to say, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. And the sad part is that because you mentioned the second 10 words, there is no second, there's no two-part conversation. It's your son is throwing 88. Not your son is throwing 88, but he's going to get hurt. But he's going to struggle with command. But there's not, there's very, very often there's no but. And the first thing out of when I try to talk to the parent is the second part is the first thing. Like, here's what I see. Here's why I think your son's going to have some issues performance wise and health. He needs to make some adjustments. And by the way, yes, he does throw 88. So I think he's got some upside. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I look at it. Well, the, yeah, the words are flipped because that's how our pitching world has been turned on its head. And if I'm now again, I'm talking as a parent here. I have two, two boys, ninth grade and eighth grade that play baseball and our younger daughter who's 12, our oldest daughter's 12. She plays baseball as well. And the first thing I would say, I don't care what sport it is. I would have asked and, even with, you know, you got an umpire that, that made me shake my head. Um, when you said umpire, I was incredulous. I was incredulous. He was a double a minor league umpire. Oh, and, uh, you know, even, even with my experiences as a, as a division one college basketball coach, a professional baseball player, my first question would for you to be with, as a dad would be, Jim, what are you seeing? You know, can you show me what you're seeing? Because you telling me that my son's doing some things improperly or my daughter, and it could potentially cause injury down the road. As a parent, that kind of gets my attention a little bit. I don't care who you are, but again, now take back, take it to your experiences and your successes with this. I just, uh, I'm, I'm so, I'm glad we met. I'm glad we had as much dialogue as we had, and I'm glad we're getting your message out there now to families because it's needed. Well, I, I appreciate that, and you know, once again, from an understanding or a process, anybody I've ever worked with. The first thing I would request is, hey, get your dad. Let's sit down. I'm going to show you a video. Okay. And I'm going to explain to you what I see, what I think the issues are, why I think there's some issues and what those issues are. And then we'll can you talk about some of the adjustments you want to make. Go home, talk to your father, talk to your mother, talk to your brother. Come back to me and say, hey, Mr. Colonel, Coach Colonel, this sounds good. I'd like to proceed. Or I'm good. You know, we're, we're fine. I'm Like I said, I, I don't, you know, my, I, my feelings don't get hurt. It's kind of like I just, I, you know, I try to present this in a professional manner, in a courteous manner to say, here's my observations. Here's my reasoning. You have any questions? Ask me all the questions you want. Go home and talk about it. I do that across the board with anybody I've ever worked with. Yeah. No, it's uh, unfortunately others are out there trying to get a claim to fame on on uh, the next greatest 13 year old to come out of God knows where. But that's why your approach is so important. And that's why your uh, your presence is needed out there in the pitching world. So we'll continue to pump it out there to our audience and and uh, and we'll, we'll progress bit by bit in 2024 to to feed them a, a steadier diet of, of Jim Colonel, which uh, I'm looking forward to. What am I missing, Jim? I know I've kept you for almost yeah, an hour. What did no, we no, cover we're, 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 leave with? Yeah, um, we, got, we got like two or three, we got a few minutes. You got as much time as you want, okay. bud. So well, one thing is I, I just want to reemphasize this again, right? Because I've, I've done a tremendous amount of research on the major league, minor league, and collegiate level. 
only from a curiosity standpoint, as I mentioned, what I began, what I began to see on the high school and the youth level from a performance standpoint and an injury standpoint and the evaluation of their motions, I wanted to see what was, what, what was transpiring at the higher level, right? So all that research I've done basically just has told me that I have photos from major league to minor league to collegiate to high school. They all throw the same, okay? But what's important is that I'm not necessarily at this juncture in my life looking to convert a major league pitcher or looking to say, hey, this is what's going on in the major leagues, okay? Or even the minor league level. What I want to communicate is that as a 16 and 17-year-old, okay, there are things that you need to do from a throwing motion perspective to continue to allow you to maximize your health and maximize your career, okay, and your performance on the mound. So when I when I make all these references that I've used this, it's kind of like my assessing the big picture as a whole, but I'm looking to communicate to the younger pitcher who's looking to develop, who doesn't have the wherewithal, who doesn't have the knowledge base to say, how can I do this the smart way? I want to work hard, but I also want to work smart. So, you know, I think that's that that's important for me to say because um, we could spend weeks on the research I've done on major league and minor league pitchers, uh, but that's not the purpose of me talking to you at this juncture. It's yeah. to help um, the, the, the youth high school pitcher and younger pitchers to uh, maximize, the, to become the best pitchers they can be, to become yeah. the best pitchers they can be. You know, I, it's important for that you mentioned that. I mean, I, you've, you've shared a lot of that research with me. You've sent me books and, and whatnot of, of the research you've done about how many pitchers have you evaluated and you can talk oh, to um, over the last three or four years, over 550 injured major league and minor league pitchers. Um, and as I mentioned that one study I did, that is 2021 top prospects. There were 227 pitchers as of this moment, 92% have been injured already. Yeah. And trust right. me, they don't. They all don't throw ninety-four miles an hour. If that doesn't indicate a, a problem out there, it doesn't scare the hell out of some parents who have their kids running all over to pitching people who they haven't vetted. I don't know what will. Ninety-two percent is a fairly high percentage. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And and and, and, and hey, like anything else, there are many factors involved. Yeah. Uh, and as we talked about. Uh, and there's, you know, whether it's DNA, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's conditioning, how hard you throw, what you throw, you know, I could, you know, we could, we could list the list, you know, talk about the whole list and, and expound on it. But my, my feeling is that, and the reason we're talking is that to me, it starts with the foundation and building a foundation and, and likewise throwing a baseball, you want to create energy from the ground up and build a strong foundation with the lower half. Well, to maximize your arm health and your performance, you need to build a strong foundation from the start. And it, to me, it starts with the pitching motion. Everything else impacts it. But if your pitching motion is poor from a kinetics, kinetics timing perspective and a phase movement perspective, then you're just exponentially increasing your risk, risk, risk of injury. And I'm looking to present a opportunity where pitchers will reduce their risk of injury. It's never, you're never going to eliminate it. It's all about reducing what you've talked about before. Yeah. Health and performance goes right back to yeah, health what we talked about in the beginning. Um, no, beautifully done, beautifully uh, done today. I think our audience is going to get a, another, another ton of, another great bit of information for you. How can they reach you? How can they, I know you're working on the website and, and getting the program up, but how can they reach you in the meantime and is, is uh, maybe update us on the, the, uh, any, anything you want to update us on on the website? Yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is the website is being worked on now, right? So it'll, it'll be available for viewing after the holidays um, because I do have some, I have some videos up on the website that if your viewers are, if our viewers are interested, would help them provide them with the visual yeah. through the audio we've been talking about so they get a little better understanding and they can see it you know, from a visual standpoint, um, then probably within a, a week or two after that, the, um, my video series that we talked about and online instruction will be available. And, uh, I didn't get to it last time, but I had created a five part video series to help youth pitchers. And the first part is talking about 
the the um, the pitching motion, its flaws. The second one, I actually take a young man and work with him from A to Z and show a parent or a coach exactly what to look for and how to correct the throwing motion to enable your son to have a more pitcher, to have a more balanced athletic motion. Um, segment three is a complete one hour uh, strength and conditioning program. Um, I have a professional strength and conditioning coach walk through a, an exercise program with balls, bands, and boxes. Once again, I want to provide something that was low cost uh, and, and available for the young pitcher or the young athlete to do at home that wasn't cost prohibitive. And the second half, I have a physical therapist who comes on and, and, and talks about and demonstrates all the band exercises and rotator cuff exercises you can do in conjunction with the strength and conditioning program. Um, yep. Four is mind over the rubber, where I talk about the mental aspect of the game and creating a toolbox. You know, you become a, a you, you can you be you're able to think the game because you have tools in your toolbox. We talked about that last week. If I don't have a curveball, I can't command my curveball. If I can't command my changeup, if I can't throw my 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 fastball and command it low and away, high high, you know, up in the up in the hands like Jim Cott talked about. Well, I don't have any tools. Well, then I can't think the game. All I am is a thrower. Okay, so everybody talks about the mental aspects of the game. But once again, it's a process. I have to put tools in my toolbox that allow me to become a pitcher, not just a thrower, right? And then segment five is the athletic process. I break down the athletic process into intellectual, uh, mental, and emotional. And what athletes, young athletes, have to learn to be able to compete, because I speak about this in the uh, last episode, it's all about competing for me. You can't control whether you win or lose. It's about your effort and preparation and how you compete on the field under any and all conditions. And that's what I talk about in segment five. So that series will be available for purchase sometime after the holidays. Yeah. And you've been kind enough to share some of that with me as we, we've gone on with this relationship. And I can speak firsthand. It is, I don't want to say it's, it's dummy proof because there'll be people out there that can mess it up, but it's, it's pretty clear um, in terms of the steps that you have to take. You got to put the time in of course, but it really gets the brain going. Uh, it, it starts, it forces the pitcher to take a critical look on not just who they are, but what they've learned to that point. Um, so I'm looking forward to that coming out to the, the, the general population and, and certainly we'll push it on this show as well. well you, know, you know, with that in mind, I created this series because I, my, my interest here and my goal is not to create pitchers or not to produce pitchers that will be drafted. OK, my purpose in this and even when I coached, I got more um, 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 satisfaction out of working with an athlete who maybe wasn't as skilled, but really wanted to work hard to become the best athlete they could be at 16, regardless of whether they played in college. I wanted to create this series to help the pitcher and his father or the young pitcher who maybe doesn't have aspirations of major league baseball or doesn't have the talent to play minor league or major league baseball or even college baseball. But I wanted them to be able to learn and be able to educate themselves so they could feel good about themselves and become the best pitcher they could be and achieve some success at 15 or 16, regardless of where that success or whatever the next level would be. So, you know, I just, I want to want, I want to say that not as a sales sales point or to pat myself on the back. I just wanted to, you know, let your audience know this was developed with the everyday pitcher in mind, not the, not the guy who throws 90 at 18, who's looking to get a scholarship to North Carolina, who wants to pitch for the Red Sox. That wasn't my intent of uh, creating this series. Yeah. Now, how can the audience reach you if they have any questions for you? Oh, um, I have a Gmail account. It's jactap2 at gmail.com. Okay. So if you have questions, obviously you can, the audience knows how to reach me or you can get me on social or you can go to Jim directly. Um, but yeah, I would imagine tons of people have questions. And if as some stuff comes in for me, I'll relay it to you. Uh, for our audience now, it's episode 391 on Real Voices of the Game. And this is the Arms Race with Jim Colonel. We'll be back after the new year. We're going to take, uh, this is our last week of programming leading up to Christmas, which is a week from yesterday. 
and uh, we will take the two weeks off Christmas the following week, you know, through through New Year's Day, and then we'll start again on January eighth. We'll be Jim, we'll be bringing Jim on more regularly. He's, he did two shows split by a week. Try to get him on every week if we can. Um, once we get to the New Year time, permitting on on his, his part as well. But uh, Jim, thanks so much for a great show today. Tremendous information, um, very well uh, put to our audience, and I hope our audience enjoyed it. Well, I hope they did too. I, you know, I, I greatly appreciate this opportunity. I enjoy, um, you know, speaking with you and, uh, it's a great platform for me, uh, to maybe share some of my experiences and, and as you said, answer questions, um, and, and, and be open to a dialogue with anybody who's uh, interested in this subject. Yep. I think so. And I think once, once we get that going, as you said to me, the very first time we talked, just tell me I'm wrong. And that, that should be the title of your blog, by the way. Tell me. I'm- <laughs> well, I don't have to do that. My wife and kids tell me that 20 yeah, yeah, yeah. seven. Sure. Oh, you got the, you got the same morning show I got then. Seriously. Dad, you're stupid. Dad, you're an idiot. Shut we up. Get, we get just like our parents in the past. As we get as they get older, we'll we'll become much smarter. <laughs> so. Oh, it's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas to everybody, uh, and and uh, a healthy and happy new year. Yep. And same to you. And we'll talk this week. But audience, get us up to 61,000. That's our goal last year. At this time, we were at three. So we're, we're moving up the charts here. And it's the uh, same approach Jim has. We're not trying to be famous. We're just trying to get information out there where there's a gap in, in the baseball world. And we're trying to fulfill that gap for everybody. So we appreciate what you guys do. Blackout Coffee's on. Jim Colonel this month and all of 2024. Jim C20, all capital letters, 20% off at checkout. And, uh, you know, once you get your first big purchase, everything else is 15% in perpetuity. So I don't know where he's got the money, but coffee's on him this month and all at 24. Jim, have a great Christmas and thanks for the show today. Thank you. you too. Take care. 